Good evening and welcome to Mouthful, smart talk about food, wine, farming, and more in the North Bay and beyond. It's Michelle Anna Jordan live in the studio. How are you doing this fine Sunday evening? I uh, hope you've uh, enjoyed the weather, gotten out to a farmer's market or two, and are now relaxing, perhaps with a glass of cold cider, perhaps with a cocktail, perhaps with a craft beer. That is going to be the subject of the first portion of Mouthful tonight. We're doing two topics. Um, Full house here. And first of all, this came about at the last minute, and I'm so glad that it did. Um, A dear friend, someone who used to work here at KRCB, uh, told me about something her son was doing. I thought, yeah, let's let's have him on the radio. But he's leaving on July 6th, and so tonight was the only possibility and we've got to get him out of here pretty quickly because one of his events starts at seven o'clock Allo Galinsky did That's I get correct. that right you got that correct Michelle thank you so much for having me tonight you bet and you are doing a bottle beer pairing is that right I'm doing a bottle share tonight with a curated list of beers that I have gained in my travels over the last six months I've been fortunate to do some beer related travels and then tomorrow night, I'm doing a cookie and beer pairing with local cookies from the Sebastopol Cookie Company, which is a place near and dear to my heart. Oh, Sebastopol, I know it well. <laughs> they let dogs in. They do let dogs <laughs> in. They're a very dog-friendly community. Yes, yes. So um, you you live in San Diego. Living in San Diego now. And I've, you have a beer pairing endeavor down there, is that right? I don't. I'm in a oh. beer business program at San Diego State oh, University. Oh, gotcha. Okay. And they do everything from beer education to learning about draft lines to learning about the business. side. Once the beer comes out, how do you distribute it? How do you market it? How do you sell it? And what are the proper ways to store that beer? Okay. And is your specialty to some degree uh, food and beer pairing? I do love food and beer pairing. I love food and I love beer. It seems natural to go and pair them together and talk about how they work together or contrast from each other. Mm -hmm. My first blog endeavor was called The Craft Beer Kitchen. I love to cook. I love to make food and beer approachable in a way you might not realize it by pairing and cooking with beers that you might not think go as much as a white wine or a red wine might go with a, mm-hmm. with a dish. Could you give us some examples? Sure. So a uh, bolognese sauce, one of my favorite foods. Usually you'd put a red wine in that sauce. Instead, I said, well, why not take something roasty, malty, a brown ale or a stout, use that in place of the red wine. You're going to get the flavors from the stout, the roasty notes, it turns it into more of a gravy than the red wine acidity might act in a traditional bolognese sauce. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, and then, um, so you have the bolognese sauce and the pasta, and it's infused with those flavors you yes. just described. Then what would you drink alongside? I would go with something that you cooked with in that case. Okay. Sometimes you would go with a different type of beer, mm-hmm. but I would stick with the brown ale or the porter or the stout. Okay. I think those are really nice compliments to each other. They complement the richness of the sauce, the meatiness mm-hmm. of it, and they go really nicely together. Okay, interesting. Um, what are some of the things you're going to be doing 
Almost momentarily. Almost momentarily. I am starting at Flagship Tap Room, which is just down the road in Katati. Whereabouts in Katati? It is just in La Plaza. It's right okay. behind the plaza. It's in the shopping complex where they use the bakery as well. Mm-hmm. And they do a great job there. They have 20 beers on draft, mostly local selection. And tonight I brought a collection of 8 to 10 bottles of beer that I've gathered. I've been to Montana, New York, Seattle. I live in San Diego. So a curated list of beers from places I enjoy and styles of beer that I enjoy Mm -hmm. to do a guided tasting and a talk about these locations and these breweries with the guests tonight. Okay. And tomorrow night I am pairing five different cookies from the Sebastopol Cookie Company down on Main Street in Sebastopol. I used to work there through high school and college. And I'm taking five of their cookies and pairing them with five of the beers on tap at Flagship Tap Room. I really have to hear about the cookie and beer pairings. It's going to be a lot of fun. So are you doing one of the ginger cookies? I'm doing that. You got it. I'm doing a ginger cookie. I'm doing a lemon lavender cookie, a semi-sweet chocolate chip cookie, a backpacker cookie, which is a trail mix cookie filled with walnuts, raisins, M&Ms, oatmeal. And then I'm doing a semi-sweet chocolate chip cookie. Mm-hmm. And I Coco Java as well, which is a nice flavor pairing for the beers they have on tap. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to pair with the uh, ginger cookie? Because that's my favorite cookie there. I'm still in research and development right now because okay. <laughs> I need to figure out what beers they're going to for sure have on draft tomorrow. Oh, okay. But I believe I'm going to pair a vanilla cream ale, uh, Mother Earth. It's uh, one of their famous uh, Cali Creamin. Mm-hmm. I think that pairs really nicely. It's a nitro beer, which means it comes out smoothly like a Guinness is a nitro beer. And it's a vanilla beer. So it's going to complement the flavors of the ginger and the molasses very nicely in a ginger cookie. So say a little more about nitro beer. Nitro beer is going to be a beer that pours. It's, it's smooth. It's creamy. Okay. It's a beer that pours out. You pour it slowly. You let it settle. It's a different type. You're going to carbonate it differently. Usually beers are carbonated with uh, CO2, mm-hmm. carbon dioxide. And the nitro beer is a very specialized type of beer that's carbonated with nitrogen. Oh, okay. Interesting. Interesting. And how is the uh, vanilla incorporated into the, the brew? It's going to be incorporated in the flavor profile. You're going to maybe add vanilla bean. I'm not sure uh-huh. exactly how Mother Earth okay. does it with their vanilla with uh-huh. their vanilla nitro ale, but you're going to incorporate it in. It's an It'll be what's called an additive or an adjunct to the okay. flavor, the same way you'd incorporate maybe chocolate or coffee. It's an adjunct to the base of water, hops, malt, and yeast, which okay. are the four main ingredients in beer. Uh-huh. Okay. Very interesting. Very interesting, but let's come back to tonight. I'm curious because this is one of my personal preferences. Are you doing any sour beers? I am doing some wild ales, which are a type of sour beer. It's going to have wild yeast. Okay. And those are yeast strains that are added to the beer to give it. There's different types. Um, Britannomyces is a type of wild yeast strain that's added mm-hmm. to a beer to give it kind of a, it's called a funky, a farmhouse, a barnyardy mm-hmm. taste. It's not meant to be at the forefront, but it's going to give it a, a bit of tartness, a bit of acidity, but it's not a straight sour beer. It's, right. kinda, it's called a wild ale. It's due to the yeast, not okay. due to the acidity properties of the beer. Interesting. I didn't know, I don't know about that category of beers, but I have really enjoyed uh, sour beers. Sour beers are fantastic. A lot more popular, it seems, right now on the East Coast, or a lot more variety on the East Coast so far than here. There's some fantastic breweries on the East Coast that do killer sour beers. Yeah. I fell in love with sours because they're just a different flavor profile, and I ran brewery tours in Boston. I took people, I ran my own business, I took people up to Portsmouth, New Hampshire, where I would go and say if somebody was really a wine lover, but they were on my beer tour. I would say, well, have you tried a sour beer? And did you know there are three to four different types of sour beers? Maybe those sour beers are brewed with champagne yeast. And if you're a champagne or sparkling wine lover, you might appreciate one of these beers. Mm-hmm. 
That has a lot of acid, or sparkling wine that has a lot of acid. Sour beer has a lot of acid, and that always forms such a good bridge with um, food. It does. It's refreshing. It's a palate cleanser in a way that mm-hmm. double or triple or even single IPAs yes. aren't necessarily. Yeah. I find that I'm not doing any IPAs with my beer and cookie pairings. There are some more English style IPAs that have a malt profile that could play nicer with food. IPAs and curry could go really well nicely. Yeah, together. that's a good. Yes, absolutely. It's a nice complement to each other. Mm-hmm. So you're in this program in San Diego, and how long is the program? When will you be done with it? I will be done sometime this fall. It's a program that can take you, – you're allowed four semesters to complete it. Mm-hmm. There is a level one, which is you complete six classes. There's a level two, which you complete nine classes. Okay. I'm going for the level two. Uh-huh. This is my couple years in San Diego, hopefully longer if I can settle there, to really enhance my, my beer knowledge, mm-hmm. dive into beer education. San Diego is a craft beer mecca, not only of California, but of the U.S. I did not know that. They have – I think it's up to 160 now breweries in San Diego County. I have 10 breweries and tap rooms within a two-mile radius of my apartment, which is fantastic. And it's a place that they really push beer knowledge because they have two programs. San Diego State University has the certificate program, which I'm a part of. And UC San Diego has a brewing program. Mm -hmm. So they complement each other very well. You can take classes at either. You can take classes at both. Some of the breweries offer off-flavor training and Cicerone program workshops. It's really a great place to dive into beer education mm-hmm. down there because people are so passionate about it. Do you have um, a long-term career goal in mind? Or right now are you just exploring, And which is fine? I'm exploring and I have a long-term career goal in mind. Okay, I'm that? very open to where any of this program and where any of my connections take me. I'd love to get into social media marketing, branding for a brewery, or a beer brand, or even in the wine industry. I mean, alcohol is fun. It's a marketable product. I love to build a voice and a connection around a brand, whether it's my own brand, which right now is the Craft Beer Concierge. Mm -hmm. It's a blog that I started six months ago with the hopes of turning it into a service. How can I help people craft beer adventure, beer-related adventures and relationships with each other, with the communities they're in? Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to explore that through the written word right now. Nice. Nice. Um, For tonight, are there, if somebody is listening and they want to jump in their car. Are there any seats left for tonight? There are no seats left okay. for tonight. It was a hot ticket. Okay. They are welcome to come to Flagship Tap Room at 7 o'clock, hang out, have a beer, have a Prosecco. They have beer and wine behind the bar there. They can listen to me give the guided tasting, but unfortunately all the tickets for the event are spoken for this okay. evening. Okay, but they can sort of rub up they against They can come it. hang out. The more the merrier. We'd okay. love to have them. I'd love to meet everybody who wants to come out and talk. Okay, and then are you going to be coming back up? And uh, I know your mom's here. My mom's my family's here, Okay, and so. I will be back up. I'm sure at some point uh-huh. I'd love to do more events. If there are any need for events or somebody to help curate a beer list for an event, I'm open to pretty much anything that comes my way. Mm-hmm. Uh, beer, that brings up something interesting, uh, beer lists. Are you getting any um – is anyone contacting you to help with restaurant uh, beer crafting uh, the beer list for restaurants? Not currently. Not currently, but, but that's something you can do. I think it's something that is really necessary, especially in a craft beer mecca like San Diego, to have beers on draft and in bottles that really work nicely with the food if that's the vibe you're going for. Mm-hmm. And I think I have a good understanding of how beer and food work together. Mm-hmm. 
So you're available for that. I'm available. And, and the open. best the best way to find you is Craft Beer Concierge? It's craftbeerconcierge at gmail.com is my email. Or you can contact me via my blog, which is thecraftbeerconcierge.com. Uh, don't forget the, the, the craftbeerconcierge.com. And on that note, I probably have to let you go because you got to get I over to go the... i got to go open some beers. Yeah, and you got to go... Who's doing the cooking? No cooking tonight. Oh, no cooking. So no, you're going to be. It's a guided tasting. Oh, it's a guided tasting. Starting okay, on the gotcha. West Coast. We're going to work our way up the Pacific Northwest, taste some beers in Portland and Seattle. Oh, interesting. Going to dip over to Montana. Montana has a fantastic craft beer scene that I just learned about coming back from a beer bloggers conference held in Montana. And then we're going to dip over to the East Coast. Explore some beers from the East Coast, and then I have a few surprises in store, too. Cool. Well, it sounds like a lot of fun. It's going to be a great evening. I wish you could make it. I wish I could, too. How about this? Next time, you'll give me a You're little more data, and I'll be able to, to come. Sounds like a plan. Thank you so much for having me this evening. Oh, you bet. And good luck to you. I think this sounds really interesting. I think you're on to something. It is Allo Galinsky. Galinsky. The Craft Beer Concierge. Have a great time tonight and tomorrow night, and we'll see you again sometime soon. Thank you so much, Michelle. Take care.
little Mojo Nixon beer ain't drinking to send Allo off to his beer event. Thanks very much to him for coming on. It was all put together at the last minute, and I really appreciate it. Now we have returning. I'm not even going to attempt to guess how many times the two of you have been at Mouthful. Um, Ron Carp, Executive Director of Food for Thought. Thank you. This is at least your fourth time. Well, you've been here for... Um, I mean, I think I've been here maybe eight times. Okay, there we go. And Mark Green, um, you've been here, you had your um, Titanic dinner hat on, yes, I think, the last time you were here. I was here for that. I was here about the Rural Heritage Initiative oh, that's back right. in 2000. Um, and I was here about some other event sometime. I think this is the fourth time I've been. Um, but it's great to be here tonight. Thanks for having us. Well, thank you for making it. Um, and it, there's an event coming up. It's on, if I have it right, August 11th. That's right. It's at Vine Hill House. Mm-hmm. It is um, one of the big fundraisers for the year. God forbid. There can it be is. This is our primary uh, gathering kind of event for the year. We do two big events every year. Dining Out for Life, which happens okay. uh-huh. um, in the restaurants of Sonoma County um, at on December 5th this year. But that's a different kind of event. This, right. this is an event. Our Long Table is the name of the event on August 11th. And uh, it's a place where all of our supporters and community leaders can come together, break bread, have a wonderful meal together, and find out what Food for Thought is up to. Oh, excellent. And what time of day does it start? Starts at 4.30. It's on a Sunday. So we started it a little early and we're ending it a little early at 8.30. So people have a chance to get home and be ready for work the next morning. Okay, great. And then it starts out with a cocktail reception that lasts for about an hour. Is that that's, right? That's Past right. hors d'oeuvres. Uh, past hors d'oeuvres, um, champagne, and there are three wineries that are pouring. Uh, Claypool, Motion, and Furthermore will be pouring wine. Now, Furthermore uh, is one I don't know. Um, they're very, very good. Um, I have to check them yes, out. Yes, you'll, you'll definitely have to check them out when you're there. Certainly no Claypool and Motion. Yes. Love them both. Fantastic. And then dinner. So it's sitting down. It's not family style. Is that right? It's going to be plated. Yes. Individually plated. Yes. And um, really one long table. No, it's oh. a series of long <laughs> okay. tables. Because I love, I love the whole idea of a long table stretching off as far as you can see. <laughs> um, but I don't know if that's possible at Vine Hill House. We're expecting 150 to 200 people. So You have to have really more than would, one long table. Yeah, you do. So, mm-hmm. But we'll be putting uh, the, the regular, the, the 12-foot tables together into multiples of that. Excellent. So there will still be... You'll still be in a group with a good, long table full of people. Uh-huh. Now, um, when it comes to fundraisers for, for, for Thought, you've had traditionally something in October as well. For 17 years, you did Calabash. We did Calabash for 17 years, and, and you know there was a gourd, arc, uh, gourd auction as part of the event. And over the years, uh, people had our our supporters have bought so many gourds that they were really not wanting to buy more gourds. You so can only have so much gourd art in yeah. your house. <laughs> I mean, I've got like eight pieces. Wow! And, and the uh, so the sales of the gourds really became the least important part of the fundraiser, mm. uh-huh. and so we we knew we had to do something different. Uh, Haberdash was a successful event. It was wonderful. I just I loved that. Just loved it. 
It, w- it was great, but it wasn't exactly mission-related. This, this, we feel like this event is really related to our Food as Medicine mission mm-hmm. and gives us an opportunity to communicate directly with our donors and have everyone come together in the spirit of what it means to support the community. Mm-hmm. So um, I think you know this is the first year, and I think it's going to be a great event. And I am a small part of that event. Yes, we were delighted um, that you, Michelle, agreed to design the menu for this event. Um, we feel that it's a real selling point for the ticket. Um, the The food just looks like a really beautiful combination of things to eat and um, and then in addition to that, the Gravenstein Grill is, is donating all the desserts. Oh, nice. And so, they're right by my house. Yeah, they're, they're just a wonderful group of people there. So um, the, the whole thing is coming together beautifully. It's going to be fantastic food and wine. The local band Gin. Oh, Jim, D-J-I-I-N. Jim, yes. Gypsy uh, Rock. Yes, they're going to play. Oh, nice. Um, so it's just going to be a super fun night in a beautiful location. Vine Hill House has a it's spectacular really view. Um, and we're just, we'll, we'll talk about what Food for Thought is about and our, our work to help heal people with, uh, with healthy food. Uh, and uh, have a little auction, uh, a short but lively auction of uh, some adventure packages, and it'll be a wonderful time. It, it's always a wonderful time at uh, Vine Hill House. It's just a great place. Um, wanted to talk. Now, who's the woman who's doing the catering? Oh, Lynn. Uh, Lynn McCarthy. Lynn McCarthy. What's the name of her company? Cottonwood. That's right, Cottonwood, and she is re- very great. Graciously agreed to do my menu, and I'm I'm really pleased she was willing to do that. And I'm going to see if I can remember it. Um, I know that we're going to start out with golden gazpacho, yes, with um, some avocado cream, I believe. Mm-hmm. And if you get the right, when you get the right um, golden tomatoes, um, they're so rich, they're just so rich and lovely, and it's really not like. Um, a liquid salad, which is what American gazpacho has become to most people. It's a little bit more delicate than that, and I think a little bit richer than that. Mm. Um, it's one of my favorite things, and it's an August, very much an August menu. And then I think next comes the main course? Yes. Okay, next comes the main course, and I know that we're doing Sonoma County Leg of Lamb. Yes. And we're going to have, uh, it's going to be finished with some really nice local olive oil, some nice... Um, Flake salt. Flake salt is mm-hmm. what you want to finish something. And I think we're doing a yogurt tahini sauce. I, I believe think that, to finish it as I well. It's a nice, that's correct. And then we're doing, I um, think we're having farro. Yes. Farro, to, yeah, because the yogurt tahini and the farro salad, they go really nicely together. And then for vegetables, I think we're doing uh, small green beans as close to Arico as we can get with yes. uh, tomato vinaigrette. That's right. Hey, my memory's not bad, huh? Especially when I do it. And then we're doing a special salad. Um, I've had George Macros from Earthworker Farm on Mouthful before. And he sells at the Spastable Farmer's Market. And he's also doing a little bit of distribution now. You can find some of his mixes at, I believe, Oliver's and at Andy's. And he does um, these very colorful... um, microgreen mixes 
And the one that I want to use, and we'll use it if um, the weather cooperates, is uh, Mark Twang. <laughs> and it's a, a spicy mix. And the spice, the heat, comes from leek grass and cilantro. Wow. And the thing that, but there, and there's also something like, he grows something like 28 different edible flowers. And the thing that is really remarkable about uh, George's work, and I love how it dovetails with your mission of healing people with food, is his land, which is west of Sebastopol, it's even a little bit west of uh, Freestone. Um, most microgreens are grown in flats above ground flats with potting soil. And he's been doing this long enough that his microgreens are grown in the ground. And he saves seeds. So everything has become acclimatized to his specific little plot of land. And there is no more incredible salad in the world. And I've served this, I served this at an event at uh, Schoen Farm, a benefit for um, a hula group. And we served it to, I think, 160 people. And I've served it in a few other places. And it always wins. It's like, that was the best part of the meal. So we're going to do, do that. And I think I, I, think I suggested a grapefruit cardamom vinaigrette. That's right, a grapefruit vinaigrette. Yeah, with, yes. um, and it'll have some uh, sliced tomatoes alongside because tomatoes will be glorious in um, August. Yes, yes. I should also say that we are aware that people have various dietary concerns and there are people out there who may not like lamb um, and there are alternatives so people can contact us um, when they buy their tickets let us know what their restrictions are and we will accommodate them right we have um we have several dishes uh almost everything is gluten-free except the um farro so i have a substitute for that and then I know we have substitute. We have some really nice grilled vegetables for vegetarians. So all in all, you know, it's pretty. It's a pretty darn good Sonoma County-based feast. I'm, I'm looking forward to being there. I'm glad I. I'm glad I get to have this meal. Oh, I'm glad you get to go. And we're going to take another <laughs> quick musical break here on Mouthful, and we'll be right back. <laughs> on the go. We are Radio 91, KRCB-FM, Windsor, K215-CQ, Santa Rosa, a service of Northern California Public Media. And that was the cookies. Do you remember the cookies? I remember the cookies. And that, too, goes out to Allo, who is doing his beer and cookie pairing tomorrow night. Um, we are now talking with um, Mark Green, Tell me your title, Mark. I'm the development director That's of right, Food Develop- for Thought. And Ron Karp, executive director of Food for Thought. And let's just go into detail about 
what Food for Thought is, what it is, its evolution has been, what is happening now, because it's just one of the treasures of Sonoma County. Well, th- thank you. Uh, Food for Thought has been around for over 30 years. We were founded in 1988, and our, uh, we were founded in order to uh, help feed people that were suffering with HIV, AIDS. And there was a horrible epidemic in the Bay Area and Sonoma County. Uh, a lot of people were literally starving to death in their homes. And a group of volunteers came together and said, we're, we're not going to let this happen. We're going to do something about it. And they formed Food for Thought, and we started distributing food to um, uh, people with HIV. And uh, in the beginning, people were getting the disease, uh, having a pretty quick course, and then dying. And so it was almost like uh, palliative care. Mm -hmm. It was the one-on-one community support, uh, helping feed people, helping, you know, listening uh, doing anything that we could to make things better for them mm-hmm. and uh, feeding them until they died. Um, fortunately, by the mid-90s, there were very effective drugs. They were called highly effective antiretroviral drugs. And when once the protease inhibitor class came out in, uh, I think, 1996, the people virtually stopped dying. I mean, there would be a handful of people rather than 100 people a year in Sonoma County. Mm -hmm. So at that point, uh, we realized that our clients were going to live a long time and that uh, we really needed to focus on healthy food. And this was a movement that was having uh, happening all over the country with the uh, HIV uh, food banks. We got together, we formed a coalition, and we learned best practices, and that was really the birth of the food as medicine movement. What do you mean by best practices? You know, um, what types of food um, oh, okay. from an so evidence-based... Okay. in uh, relationship to food. You know, uh, yeah, we were working with registered dietitians, and we were looking at protein, uh, carbohydrates, uh, supplements, all, all, you know, the types of food that would make people... Uh, healthier and be able to live longer with the disease. Mm-hmm. Food that addressed uh, issues with the liver because of the toxicity of the drugs, uh, protein needs. Uh, it's a very specialized diet that turns out we found uh, works for a lot of different diseases with mm-hmm. you know with some modifications, but it's basically a very healthy diet that's centered on fruits and vegetables uh, and whole grains and um, low sugar, low salt, uh, but very healthy, fresh food. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk a little bit, without getting too technical, I don't want to put that pressure on any of us, um, when it comes to drug toxicity and protecting the liver, that's really specialized. Um, is it possible to say some of the things, um, dietary things, that will help? You know, a lot of the Ayurvedic herbs are very oh. good for the liver. Uh-huh. Um, there are, um, you know, classes of vegetables that are good for the liver. Um, uh, broccoli, that that whole class of broccoli, mm-hmm. cauliflower, uh, quite a few things actually. Um, but the other thing about uh, the drugs is that they've become so sophisticated now that they're not anywhere near as toxic for oh, the okay, liver. Oh, okay, cool. But one one thing I want to say about uh, food for thought is that 
you know, we came to the point where we realized that um, we had pretty much done everything that we could for HIV, and we have we are serving anybody with HIV in Sonoma County that needs us. And we realized that, you know, there were a lot of other people with other illnesses that mm-hmm. need these services as well, as well. So five years ago, we expanded our mission to serve people with other illnesses, and we have done a couple of pilot projects with West County Health Centers and some We've come up with, um, you know, some evidence showing that our services help people uh, um, stay out of the hospital. They improve health care outcomes. They lower health care costs. Uh, one of our studies with West County showed that um, people had a 70% reduction in uh, trips to the hospital. 70%, that's really remarkable. Right, it is. And you think about um, a hospitalization averages over $10,000. And our services are pretty cheap in comparison to that. So uh, what we're doing now is we we have uh, we've we've done our pilot programs and now we've launched two new programs. One is uh, a program to serve people that are coming out of the hospital uh, for any reason and who are at risk of malnutrition. So that's called Welcome Home. And we serve people that within a week of leaving the hospital, we provide three months' worth of service, uh, which is all of our services, the weekly food, uh, meals if they need them, uh, a nutrition assessment by our registered dietitian, our congregate meal program, our delivery program, our cooking class program, the whole gamut of services that we offer. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, we started another program recently that our uh, registered dietitian, who is our client services director, she came up with a really great, uh, it's not a solution to homelessness, but it's a really simple way to address the homeless problem. Um, we call it bags of love. And she noticed that people would go to a place that had food on homeless people, and there was only so much they could carry away. So she designed a bag of food that would um, fit in a backpack that was easily accessible to people that are homeless with pop tops and six or seven different items. And we distribute them through uh, 10 different service providers. So not only is it free food that is for homeless people, but it encourages them to come in Mm -hmm. to a service provider so that they can, uh, you know, talk to someone if they need help. Mm -hmm. And it it doesn't mean that they have to talk to people, but it brings them to the place where services are available to them. So that combination of that food, no questions asked, and the Mm -hmm. availability of those services is a really powerful. It's a really great, really great program. What a nice what a brilliant approach. I know. It was, it's so simple and, and so wonderful. And we, we've already gotten a grant from the Sonoma County Community Foundation to um, provide an extra, I think, uh, fi- what is it, like almost 5,000 of these? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. That's about right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I think it's going to really take off as uh, a partial solution. Mm-hmm. And then how, how many days a week is that provided? Um, we we provide these bags directly to the service providers, mm-hmm. and then they dis- they you know distribute them to people as they need them. As they need them, okay. Yes. Um, what some of them are apparently finding, what I've heard from our client services director, is that in some cases the primary health consideration that people are going into a medical provider for is hunger. The reason that they're not feeling well is that they're not eating, and so 
this is a way to directly intervene in that problem, mm-hmm. which is you know such a challenge for people who are homeless. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, back to the the main program. Um, people get a supply of groceries once a week, correct? Yeah. Our our um, program is pretty sophisticated and okay. generous. Uh, mm-hmm. We get we get fresh produce delivered from Andy's every day of the week. We have our own organic garden surrounding our food bank, so we grow our own produce. We get donated produce from a lot of different farms. Uh, so we have an amazing produce selection. Mm-hmm. We also have uh, very high-quality proteins that we distribute in in a, in a good quantity. So we have everything from uh, ground beef to fish to um, rocky chicken, uh, and we have vegan and vegetarian proteins. We have dairy products and cheese, yogurt. Uh, uh, we have, you know, just this huge variety of different food. And one thing that we've learned from our experience over the years is that you have to provide food that people are willing to eat. Absolutely, no matter what condition people are yes. in or how desperate they are, they will only eat what they're willing to eat. Mm-hmm. So we give a lot of choice. We give a lot of support to people because people that are um, in these in this condition with malnutrition and diabetes and heart condition, they need a lot of support. They need a lot of hand-holding. They need education. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, recently, we had a client that we were uh, just beginning to serve with a heart condition, and our dietician asked, so uh, what do you eat, uh, and what do you have in your cupboard? And she said that was the first time anybody had ever asked her what her diet was like and uh, whether or not she needed information on what to eat. Oh, my goodness. It's really amazing, the state that we're in in our society with It is. There's a huge disconnect Yes, I saw someone today. Um, I, I, in the last two days, I've been I've done a lot of driving throughout the Bay Area, um, and I can't remember where I saw her, but I saw a woman, um, late twenties, early thirties. Um, she was quite overweight, and I don't mean by an aesthetic standard. She was she was obese. She was, she had put on so much weight that that in itself was not healthy, um, and she was smoking a cigarette. <laughs> And drinking a diet something. Hmm. And I just, I've been thinking about seeing it ever since, thinking the disconnect of putting those things into your body, but then not being able to figure out why you're not feeling that great. Well, you know, it's it's really complicated what people are dealing with in their lives. And there's so many influencing factors. There could be violence in the home. There could Mm -hmm. be mental illness. There could be substance abuse. Um, So you really need to meet people where they're at. Our Mm -hmm. philosophy, uh, especially, you know, the way we were founded and not wanting to burden people uh, that are already suffering with disease, you find out where they're at. You do what you can in a sort of harm reduction manner to move them along on the spectrum from where they're at to a better place. And over mm-hmm. time, uh, it's amazing what kind of change people can make in their lives. They, but they need that initial support and non-judgment. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, we have our volunteers that are just amazing with people. And all of our staff are incredibly accepting. And, you know, it's just such a wonderful environment for people. And the other thing that's unique about Food for Thought is that uh, most of our clients actually come into our facility. 
And that's a fantastic thing for people to come in to be able to socialize, to eat a meal with other people. You ser- do you serve lunch there? We do three it's days a, a week. Yeah, that's what I thought. And it's a freshly made uh, lunch that uh, that we make at Schoen Farm Kitchen uh, mm. with a staff of volunteers and our uh, chef. And so that's all just wonderful food. We who's have. Your, who's the chef. Oh, it's Ruth Lethkowitz. Oh, look, Ruth. Yeah. Yes. Ruth is wonderful. Yeah, she's great. And uh, so it's very healthy, very tasty. We have one soup that's um, usually vegan and another soup that is, has meat in it. So, mm-hmm. and then we have salads and hummus and, you know, salad from our garden, hummus, and uh, we have tomatoes when they're ripe. And, you know, we, it's just a spread of food that's just fantastic. Mm-hmm. But how many people do you serve at the lunches? Oh, maybe about 50 a week. Oh, okay. Oh, a week? Yeah. 50 mm-hmm. a week. Yeah, but a lot of people um, come in. Some people come in um, all, all three days. All three days. You know, people have various different food needs. Some people sure. don't like to cook, and so it's great for them to be able to come in and get a nice mm-hmm. hot meal. And speaking of cooking, uh, when people get their groceries, your, your average client... Um, they're getting foods that they then take home and cook, correct? Yeah, some things are um, easy to prepare. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do have things like um, Amy's uh, entrees. And, and But, you know, there's just a variety of different things mm-hmm. that are available for people to cook, and we have recipes, and then we have our cooking classes. When, when are your cooking classes? They're twice a month at Food for Thought uh, on Wednesdays. Mm-hmm. And what sort of focus... Do the classes it's, it's a focus on using what we give out okay. uh, and how to prepare it in a tasty and healthy way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and our registered dietitian, Nina Redmond, she leads those classes along mm-hmm. with a group of volunteers. Uh-huh. About how many people attend those? Uh, maybe 10. 10. Uh, and then with your uh, Welcome Home program, um, are those people receiving prepared meals? Um, it's a combination. It's okay. really it's based on the uh, on the nutrition assessment of what they need. What so they need at that time. A lot time. of people, when they come out of the hospital, they need prepared meals. Sure. The most they could do is put something in the microwave. Uh, some people can hardly even get out of bed. Sure. And so you know, it may even be that we give them liquid nutrition. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, but it. It can change each week as they get better. And, mm-hmm. and then finally, you know, we, we encourage them, if you can get out of the house and come in, you should come in mm-hmm. because that's a great way to get back into the, you know, you know, an active lifestyle. Sure. I know. But for some people, I have had, um, I think, three people quite close to me who have had valve repair, heart mm-hmm. valve repairs. And I think you can't drive for something like six weeks. Right. Right. And so doing any of those main chores is going to be pretty difficult. You need some prepared foods. Right. Not only that, if you think about, um, you know, you're, you have your friends that if they need help and they have a network of friends. Imagine if you're somebody that lives alone and is really not well connected and is poor. Uh, not only can you not get out of the house, but you really can't afford to buy healthy food. And Absolutely. this program can make a huge difference in someone's life. Um what are the requirements for getting into that program? The only requirement is that you um, are coming out of the hospital mm-hmm. and you're at risk of malnutrition, which mm-hmm. um, there's a very short survey that, that um, the health care provider fills out, mm-hmm. uh, and it's not that hard to qualify. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you get points based on whether you live alone or whether or not you can afford to buy food and things like that. Um, and so most people do qualify for that. 
And there is one other program that we're doing that I'd like to mention, which is a three-year study that we're doing with Medi-Cal to serve people with congestive heart failure. And that's funded by the state of California. And we're doing it in conjunction with five other agencies in California. Uh, We are the California Food is Medicine Coalition. So uh, our hope is to... I mean, we're, we already know, we've, we've been doing this over a year, and we already know that we're getting some significant results. Our hope is that um, this will lead to Medi-Cal uh, paying for food for people that have serious health conditions because um, we are going to demonstrate that it's very cost-effective mm-hmm. and um, really does a great job of improving people's health at a, at a time of need. Uh-huh. Excellent. Um, forget what I was going to say. I do that all the time, don't I? Um, Why don't we take a little musical break? Let me explain it. It is the end of June. June is Pride Month. Today was a Pride Parade in San Francisco, New York, and a lot of places around the world, I think. And I know that 25 years ago, I went with my dearest friends in the world, Jim and John. Um, I went to, the I think, the only only San Francisco Pride Parade that I've ever been to. And it was just, maybe partly because it was the 25th anniversary of Stonewall, it was just the most glorious day. It was wonderful. Mm. And a high point for me of the parade, and I'm sure Jim and John thought I was nuts, a high point for me was when the the float for... um, Live 105, when it was still a viable radio station, it came through with Pansy Division on it. And, you know, (laughs) I've got this, like, strain of old punk girl in me. So, anyway, we're going to hear a little bit from Pansy Division and come back for our final time with Food for Thought. Pansy Division. I just love them. You know, I just love them. And, you know, that's sort of why the tagline for my uh, music show, Red Shoes Radio, which, who knows, maybe I'll revive it at some point. The tagline was, 
music for your inner brat. <laughs> I want to hear it, and I want to hear it now. So we have the final segment with uh, Mark Green and Ron Karp from Food for Thought, and we have an event, so you all know at the end of Mouthful. You want to have your pen and pencil ready? So the event starts at 4.30. It ends at 8.30. It's called Our Long Table. That's right. And On August 11th. August 11th at Vine Hill House. All the information is on the website, fftfoodbank.org. That's correct. How much is the dinner? Uh, tickets are $120. Um, there's also sponsorship available. If you want to give more money to Food for Thought, we encourage that. And um, you mentioned the wines that are being poured for the cocktail hour. What are the wine? Are is anyone doing pairings with the main menu? You know, we're going to do a raffle. Um, it, we we don't have pairings with the wines, although the the hors d'oeuvres that will be passed during the first hour are being kind of thought of as mm-hmm. going with some of the wines that are being poured. Um, but we're going to do a raffle in which we raffle off an instant wine cellar. And we're having flights donated by various wonderful wineries around the county um, to compose this. Oh, that sounds like fun. instant wine cellar um, with a wine fridge. So people will buy uh, raffle tickets and we'll draw one at the end of the of the event. And somebody will go home with a very large number of bottles of wine and a wine fridge. I know a friend who needs to win that. I have a friend who needs to win that. Uh-huh. He lost almost his entire wine collection in the 2017 fire. Oh, no. Accidentally. Oh, no. I'll tell you that story off the air. We, we just got a, um, a, some Hafner wine donated. For, uh, mm-hmm. And one of them is a, a three-bottle uh, flight of their Cabernet. One is 15 years old, one's 10 years old, and one's five years old. Wow. And they also donated a case of their excellent Alexander Valley Chardonnay to pour for our dinner. Great. Well, this is a great evening, $120. You're going to spend more than that if you go out for a four-course dinner and a few glasses of wine. And on that note, we're just about out of time. So let me give you the website again. It's fftfoodbank.org. If you miss it, you know, you can always send me an email and ask, what was that, Michelle? Catsmilk at sonic.net. Thanks so much to both of you for coming on. I really appreciate it, and it's always good to see you. Thanks so much for having us. And for helping us with our event. Of course. Anything for Food for Thought. I love you guys. I love that you're there. And now, before we go to Milk Street, which is coming up, I want to tell you that support for Mouthful on KRCB-FM comes from listeners and from The Bohemian, where voting is underway for Norbay's 2019, now through July 19th. Winners will be announced at Bear Republic Lakeside in Werner Park on August 7th, and you're invited. Voting and information at bohemian.com. And that ends another yummy episode of Mouthful, smart talk about food, wine, and farming in Sonoma County and beyond. I'm Michelle Anna Jordan. Have a great week and meet me back here on July 7th for another tasty episode. Selling